Regan Rose, welcome. Hey, it's good to be here. This is a bit of a dream come true for me. Um, this is a huge deal. I'm actually a little bit nervous talking to you. Um, I feel like I feel like we're we're good friends, but this is actually the first time that I've ever talked to you. Um, just because I've heard your voice on your podcast just ringing in my ears. Um, but now to actually be able to talk to you, it's awesome. Thank you, by the way, for block scheduling this humble little podcast into your day. Um, well, it's my joy to be here, man. I, I feel the same way that we, even though we've never, this is the first time we're speaking, we've been friends, at least on Twitter for, I don't know how long, but I've been following you on there for a while. And so I feel like I know you as well. Yeah, we keep track of each other. That's what we do. And, and, uh, you got some awesome tips and, and godly tips to, to be more productive, and we'll get into that. By the way, last night, I planned the next day. I planned today in 30-minute increments. I wow, curated nice. my nightstand. I really did. I set out my clothes. I set my alarm clock, okay? And I set an actual physical alarm clock. I prepped my coffee. I smashed my iPhone with a hammer into tiny little pieces, <laughs> just absolutely just broke them, broke it into pieces. And then I, I read about George Whitfield until I fell asleep. You have arrived. You have, you have ascended the, the productivity mount. You are on, you're on hallowed ground now. Look at me, man. Yeah. I'm just That's really good. I'm just following your advice. I woke up this morning at 530. I drank a huge, you know, swig of water cold water. I grabbed my coffee, read my Bible and prayed, and then I got real productive. So this is what I want to tell you, Reagan. I've officially made this Reagan Rose Day. Okay, From here on out, I've declared it. May 2nd is officially declared Reagan Rose Day. The president's going to announce this. It's a national holiday. Um, are you proud of me? Uh, you know, I just think that if you if you have such a tight relationship with the president, I'm just surprised and, and and honored and disappointed that this is the thing that you leveraged that relationship for. This was the favor you called in. <laughs> well, listen, he's confused easily. Um, and so I could show up and just claim to be, you know, anybody and, and anybody important. And he might just follow my advice and take my orders. He takes orders. So we all know that he's good at taking orders. So, um, Reagan, you are officially now a Theo bro. Um, yes. you've joined this podcast, which means you are publicly declaring that you are always reforming, that you love sound theology, and that Christ is king. Are you comfortable with that? Oh, yes, I am. Awesome. Well, Reagan served as the director of digital platforms at Grace to You, uh, the media ministry of John MacArthur. He started Redeeming Productivity Academy, a program that will help you become more consistent in your walk with the Lord, more clear on your priorities, and more confident that you are stewarding your time well. He's got a bunch of online courses available on redeemingproductivity.com. Go there, including some that you can take for free. His podcast, The Redeeming Productivity Show, has over 150 episodes and 500,000 plus downloads. Reagan, that's way too many. Too many downloads. You just keep You're... doing it for a couple of years and eventually, you know, your mom listens to it enough times <laughs> that you get the play count up. <laughs> <laughs> 
your mom just like constantly listening yeah. to it throughout the day. Yes. I keep getting her new devices so you, you know she can <laughs> she can add the multiplier. That's awesome. <laughs> yep. Just reviewing constantly, commenting constantly, following constantly. That's right. Yeah. A lot of things. <laughs> Reagan has a weekly newsletter, Reagan's Roundup, which brings together the best links, insights, and resources he found that will be helpful to you on your journey to become a more productive Christian. You also linked to me one time. I appreciated that. That was awesome. A big deal for me. Um, he wrote a student's guide to gaming. You might not think that the Bible has anything to say about gaming, but this helpful book shows what a responsible relationship with gaming should look like for believers. Highly recommended. I'm going to read it with my son. Um, I also bought it on Kindle and listened to it using my Alexa app in honor of you. <laughs> you you really know the deep cuts and stuff of the things I've written on. I appreciate that. <laughs> I'm telling you, man, it's a little creepy. Um, <laughs> but I have to admit, I did fall asleep during some of it. Um, That's I was okay. We, we'll blame Alexa for that. <laughs> I won't take Alexa's responsibility. Voice, yes. She's got kind of a nice you know, comforting voice, soothing. Um, soothing. Exactly. Um, I didn't fall asleep because it was boring. Um, but please forgive me. But it was just a section. There was a section of it that I missed. I'm sure it was important. And I'll go back to it. Um, <laughs> I forgive you. Regan, our first segment is this. And it's called uh, I created this segment. Let's reveal our AOL instant messenger usernames. Oof. So AOL Instant Messenger was created 25 years ago, yesterday. AIM was the premier messaging platform of choice in the late 90s. You remember all the comic sans, the dramatic away messages you yeah. could leave. The lyrics to some really moody song. <laughs> yes, yes. And you just like, you can hear, I can hear it right now. You probably can too, just when people left the room or left, is that, that, slamming of a door yes yeah I, you can, i can hear it now that you say it <laughs> and then like the, right. when people got <clears throat> when people got back in or that special person got back in and your heart just stopped um so Regan, i need to know what was your screen name oh man mine was the guy in corner no no numbers which i was very proud of but I don't know why I made that. I think that I thought that I it was like a cool, like loner sounding thing. You know, like I'm just the guy in, in the corner. Um, guy, I'm writing this down. <laughs> don't the write guy it down. <laughs> in the corner. Yeah, because I just need to go back and see if you, you ever yeah. message anything embarrassing. Yes, so. Sign in. <laughs> the guy you can't, in. Corner. It doesn't exist anymore, right? You can't sign into AIM, right? You better, you better hope so. Oh, I better hope not. <laughs> <laughs> so what was yours? Yours has to be better than that. This is horrible. This is embarrassing. Um, buttercup underscore. <laughs> oh boy, Buttercup underscore muscles twenty. No, no let me explain. <laughs> You're gonna have to. <laughs> <laughs> let me explain. It was a girl, okay. And I one time I wore a Reese's peanut butter cup shirt, long sleeve. It was orange. And um, I got the nickname from this girl that I kind of liked. I was like a, in fifth grade and she called me Buttercup maybe once or twice. And I was like, oh, she likes me. And then another time she called me Muscles. And so 
buttercup underscore muscles and then number 20 was my basketball number so for some reason in my fifth grade mind i thought this is it like yeah, this, this is, is what's finally this is gonna make her like me this, she's I'm, not gonna think i'm a creep <laughs> not at all she left the school like within a month and then i was stuck with and her. you're stuck with buttercup <laughs> muscles 20. that's pretty horrible that's awesome. really bad yeah i'm not proud of it i'm not proud of it at all well thank you for for doing that with me so you were the guy in the corner the guy in corner there's not a guy in corner and i know i realized afterwards that i I should have made it guy in the corner but for some reason (laughs) i was the guy in corner i i don't know yeah hopefully my grammar's gotten better (laughs) you didn't want to put two the's because that would have been but the first one was unnecessary it's you know you live and learn (laughs) (laughs) It, we've you know we all grow and so now you know now we know all right so you worked for not the bee is that correct mm-hmm. i did it was a brief foray so after i left um grace to you and uh, moved back home to michigan so grace to you is in southern california me and my wife are from michigan and both of our parents are here and so we we left california left grace to you sadly to come back to Michigan to be close to our parents for because we have a couple of kids and we want them to be near their grandparents. But uh, when I did that, I joined the staff of Not the Bee, which is like the sister website to the Babylon Bee. And I'd only did that for maybe four or five months, I think, and kind of realized the news was not for me. I was it was very uh it it wore me out and depressed me and at the same time i'd been doing this redeeming productivity thing on the side for like Mm. five years and i was like you know i've always wanted to try to do this full time so it was a brief foray A a brief foray i like the way you put that so what is adam ford like he's kind of like this mysterious figure in my mind he makes cartoons and he starts websites yeah, he's an awesome dude. I, I've known Adam for years, well before Babylon B started. Um, we actually uh, went to the same church uh, here in Michigan. So um, we did a couple of things together. And when he started Babylon B back whenever that was, 2016 maybe, I, I wrote for it initially. And I actually managed the website for a little while before it got big and uh, so I, that was kind of the connection. I, I knew him already and he, uh, was like, Hey, if you want to come, if you're coming back to Michigan, you know, let's, let's come work together, come try this. And unfortunately I left him high and dry and hopefully we're still buds, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> you might but, send uh, him a text. Yes. <laughs> but he's, he's an awesome dude. He's, uh, he's sharp as attack. If you could guess, mm-hmm. um, really, really insightful, obviously, uh, a builder. He's, I mean, to, to start the Babylon B is insane. It's like a cultural force. I mean, it seems like this thing, even with Elon buying Twitter, it seems that the tipping point was the Babylon B being kicked off of Twitter, which is insane to think that this guy just started this in his, in his back room. <laughs> and it like is like a cultural force that big. I've, I've really been saying that I've been saying if, if Babylon B hadn't been kicked out, this wouldn't have happened, right? Like, yeah, I, I think it was the the inciting event. I, it does seem like that's exactly what happened. Amazing, it's wild. <laughs> that's amazing. And you were involved at the very beginning of this of that. That that's it makes me that that that's wild. That that's wild. Um, speaking of building, okay, you are a builder. 
Um, what led you to focus your life and ministry on redeeming productivity? How did you go from a guy who was part-time Babylon, or I'm sorry, not the B, part-time not the B, and part-time redeeming pro productivity to now full-time redeeming productivity? Yeah, so I... um. It all started when I was a boy. <laughs> no, yes, it does. Please go back to when you were six. Yes. This is going to take a while. We have all. No, that. but but I had you know. Well, I know we're going to talk a little more about the video games thing, but it actually is like super connected. I I had like a serious video game addiction when I was a a young man and like into my twenties and stuff. Like I could not stop playing, and I was pretty aimless and kind of purposeless and didn't really know what I was doing. I did, I was doing terrible in school. Like I, you know, everything was, it was pretty bad. I just didn't care. And, uh, I don't remember exactly what's, what started it, but I, I, I moved to a different, I switched colleges and started and it kind of made the decision. I'm going to start taking school seriously. And I realized like, I didn't know how to manage my time. I didn't know how to get the assignments done. And so I got interested in personal productivity when I was in college. And then you fast forward a little bit. I, um, ended up going to seminary in, in 2014. And at that point I had been walking with the Lord much more closely. I kind of it started to, to really, really have this strong sense that uh, my life was a stewardship that like every moment mattered every, like it really was important that I redeemed the time, right. You know, mm -hmm. uh, Ephesians five. So when I got to seminary, the funny thing was, you have all these other guys there. Some of them were pastors previously, uh, all of them, you know, kind of aspiring to be pastors. But I had picked up a lot of these time management techniques from while well, I was in college and stuff from like secular sources. And a lot of these guys had no idea how to like, I'd walk into class and, you know, we'd, we'd be turning in a paper and the guy next to me would be like, was that due today? I was like, how did you not know that was due today? <laughs> and so I, I started developing really two burdens. One was I wanted to help um, pastors initially uh, manage their, their time better because they're, it's this weird, like self-directed job, you know, I mean, you know, you're a pastor, like there's nobody telling you, here's what you need to do from this time to this time. And it's kind of hard to manage your time well. And so either guys like fall into like laziness or they fall into like total overwhelm where their lives, are, they just work way too much. And so I, I had a burden to start creating resources that would su supply those guys with some of those um, those techniques. And uh, that that was the original thing I started was called the Pastors Week. Um, and that was really aimed more at pastors. And it kind of developed more after that. You started this as a business now, correct? I kept going with it. So th I think I started this in 2016 2017 is pastors week in 2018 i broadened it out to talk about productivity more broadly and that's why i changed the name to redeeming productivity because people were saying you know the stuff you're talking about is useful not just for pastors like mm -hmm. you're, you're talking about productivity from a christian perspective and so i got very deep into the topic and very passionate about the fact that i, I think that while I do benefit and continue to benefit from secular resources on time management productivity it's like comes from a very uh, there's a lot of un unbiblical philosophy baked in to productivity and self-development, you know, mm -hmm. notions about success, all of that. And so I wanted to really explore it and kind of do a deep dive into what does the Bible say about this and how do we, is there a way we can 
have practical techniques with sound theology about time management. And so I, I did that for several years, started the, the, the blog, the podcast, doing some videos and stuff. And then in March of 2021, so it's been over a year now, that was, it was after I, I left Not The Bee, I said, okay, let's take a run at trying to do this full time. At that point, Justin, I had like, I, it just been a hobby. You know, I maybe I had a couple people on Patreon, but like not enough to support a family of four, that's for sure. And so we had, um, thankfully, we had some money from a house we sold in California before we moved back here. And my wife and I looked at each other and we were like, this is probably the only chance we're going to have to have enough runway financially to try to do it full time. And so that's what I've been doing the last year and two months, I guess, is trying to build this out and make it my full-time uh job so that it, it is i mean thankfully it is supporting us now at this point but mm -hmm. uh but yeah this is what i do full-time i write and talk about productivity from a christian worldview i remember when you announced it and um in the back of my mind i'm like man this is courage happening here like this is stepping out trusting the lord um and you know you you believe in the, you believe in the ministry, and you are going to go for it. Um, how has working for yourself changed the way you have walked with the Lord in the last year? Hmm. That's a great question. It's it's been uh, wonderful, and it's been wonderful because it's been so challenging. Uh, hmm. It it was definitely a huge step of faith. I don't think my wife or I, either of us recognized how big of a step of faith it was, um, kind of pulling out that financial security rug from yourself and realizing, oh, wow, like, what have I done? Like, <laughs> this, this all depends on me, really drove, drove me to prayer in a way that uh, I don't think I've ever had in my life before. It's just really, really true desperation. Like, Lord, if this, if, if you don't bless this endeavor, it's going to fail. Like I, I total, total dependence, recognizing the dependence I had uh, on the Lord. So that that's been the biggest thing is causing me to really recognize that I need him. Um, even, yeah, there's, there's a lot there actually exposing areas of sin in my life, exposing um, love of money issues like that in a way that I don't think I would have, come to if if um if we hadn't kind of chosen this path do you get lots of opportunities to mentor young men um and disciple young men in how they they use their time and how they manage their and steward their life yeah it's kind of a, a neat thing um our church here in michigan just the the timing worked out really funny that when we landed back here uh there was some shifting in the the pastoral roles and someone who used to lead this young men's sunday school class had to move into a different position and he asked if i would take it over and so i i'd lead this sunday school class of young guys who are sometimes older high school some in college some beyond that and that are just really passionate about the word some of them are considering ministry eventually and that's it ends up being a, a wonderful opportunity because a lot of the stuff we end up talking about obviously mostly the word, but is the practical stuff of, okay, here's, here's how you manage your time. You know, you're, you're growing up, you need to take responsibility. If you're going to be a, a churchman, um, 
And because some of these guys, you know, they want to be involved in the church, but they also have jobs and they're getting into relationships and they're getting married and they're trying to figure out how to manage their time. And so it's been a neat way to get to apply some of the stuff that I talk about online with real people, you know, that are actually going through it. Yes. Um, obviously we, we, we rest in God's good and unfolding providence, but if you could go back, okay, as you think about your beginning and where you are now, is there anything you do differently? Hmm. I probably wouldn't have gotten into video games as much. <laughs> Who would have well, toned that down a little? <laughs> it's interesting that the Lord led you through that because now you can write, you know, this this book on gaming with with knowledge of what it can do to you. Yeah, totally. And and I think that I think in a helpful way. I hope it's helpful. I try to approach it like as a big brother. Like I love. I'm not anti gaming. I love gaming. I just think you know here's here's how you do you know not trying to bash bash guys over the head about it but just be like hey look this is awesome this is a good thing um this is fun here here's some ways that we can approach it responsibly without uh without overdoing it without it becoming a problem i see like you share a story of, it, of a young girl in your book on gaming um just becoming obsessive over the games she's playing Fortnite, and then um, some some guys are giving her attention because she's really good at Fortnite, and then she becomes obsessive over it, and her grades fall apart. Um, we're not at that point with my nine-year-old yet, thankfully, but he, I mean, as I'm tracking with her story, it's caused me to pay really careful attention to where my son Carson is in gaming. Um, is there ever a point where a parent should say, all right, enough, get rid of the video games? Hmm. Yeah, I always try, Justin, my kids are little, three and, and one. And so, like, I try not to give, like, parenting advice for stages I haven't gotten to yet. <laughs> but I, I think I think generally it is the, you know, there as you know, you know, the Lord um, is giving you authority in your home and over your kids. And... Yes. I do think that there are cases where it is wise for a parent to cut a kid off, um, you know, or, you know, at least pull back for a while. But some people like this is the thing with me and I don't try to put this on other people. I can't play games like I literally can't, Justin, if I try, even if I put a game on my phone, I, mm -hmm. it will absorb me like and I know that, that not everyone's that way, but I gen I cannot regulate for some reason like it, I it's an addiction or something. So I don't play video games at all <laughs> because I can't do it. And I know from from research that this is um, a problem that does affect uh, a lot of young people, especially that there is that extreme sort of givenness to um, especially with online games addiction. And so I do think that if you start to see patterns like that, uh, mm -hmm. a parent you know, maybe, maybe work through it, try to, try to pull back, try to put some time limits on it first, but there, there may be wisdom and just saying, you know what, we're just not gonna, we're just not gonna game in this household. Yeah. I, I like to, at times I like to just say, no, we're not playing today. Mm -hmm. Um, just to kind of remind him, you know, who's, who's in authority in the house. So he doesn't feel like these are his games and he is completely free to do whatever he wants. And, and we do try to limit, you know, after school, how much time he gets to play. Here's the thing, like gaming is so different than it was when you and I were kids. Like, totally. Like I, rem 
I remember inviting my friends over and us playing and just having like tournaments on like uh, on the GameCube, like Mario soccer and stuff like that. Like I just remember just the the community aspect of video games. You had to kind of be together and then you could all work from one screen and screen watch each other and then make each other mad, you know, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> as you like pulled up a gun and, and shot your friend because you were watching where he was running. <laughs> not that I ever did no. that. Um, no, of course not. That I would cheating. never do that. Um, but now like my son, when he gets off of school or even on the weekends would probably be a better, a better example, like on a Saturday, like this is his way to talk to his friends. Mm -hmm. And, yeah. and that's, that's been very interesting for me to try to weed through that because, um, you know, he'll say, can I, can I play, can I play Fortnite? I, I want to be able to talk to my friends today. And so for me, it's like, this is kind of the way that they hang out now. Right. Yeah. I know. It's such a thorny thing. Like I think, it, I think I feel bad for like our parents' generation because like they had no, I like the, we grew up with video games and it was like a totally new thing, but I feel bad for us too, because the games are so different. Like uh, even I talked to a lot of parents who are my age or, or even a little older and like, there's a lot of assumptions about what game, if you, if you haven't kept playing, there's a lot of assumptions about what video games are like that just aren't like true anymore. Like if you keep up with what the games are like, there's totally different from when we were kids and they're so involved and the social element is so baked into it. And they're so fine tuned um, to keep you playing longer and, and all of the uh, there's just so there's so much into it that I don't think it's like, I don't think it's cut and dry, you know? And, and again, like, I, I don't think video games are bad. I think there's good elements to it. There's just, there's issues with, I think how God designed us to be um, and what he made us for that sort of, and this is sort of my, my thesis to the book is what, why, why are video games so fun? And what does that tell us? The fact that we like them so much, what can that tell us about the human heart or even about how God's designed us? And, and I think that there's elements to them like um, we're, we're designed for dominion. We're designed to overcome from the beginning. You know, God set the man in the garden and he, and he had us to rule and, and reign over creation. And at the end, we're going to rule and reign with him on the new earth. Like that's baked into our bones. That, that we that we overcome that we we build and games allow us like take minecraft for instance allow you to build these massive cities uh to 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 really exercise dominion and in a in a way that isn't hampered by the curse right there's no thistles there's no thorns there's no like financial thing there's no there's no risk to doing it same thing with with you know um shooters and stuff like you can kind of own people like you see the, the echoes of dominion, even in the way we talk about it, that, mm -hmm. that feeling of winning and overcoming the problem is. And so like, and so like, it makes sense why we enjoy that. The problem is that it's not, it isn't real. So like, it's fun. I mean, it is entertainment. Like I, I'm not trying to be like overly serious, but I do think that there are some risks if you're using all of your energy, your creative energy that God's given you, to put into like some simulation to basically move numbers on a computer somewhere that, that doesn't seem to me 
to accord with with stewarding your life well um, if if you put too much of yourself into that form of entertainment. And I think the same is true of the relationship aspect too. There's sort of like this mediated relationship uh, thing, which is what gives me pause sometimes with any technology uh, that it's easy to sort of hold people at arm's length, um, whether it's through your phone, through social media, or through, you know, a video game lobby. Back to, you know, Christian productivity. What does it mean to be productive in the Christian life, Reagan? Yeah, I, I think the, the, biblical term that best captures at least the way I conceive of productivity for Christians is stewardship. Um, I think that, that for a Christian, a productive life is one in which you are utilizing the resources that are on loan to you from God. You know, I think of the parable of the talents that we've been entrusted as faithful servants, not just with, with money, but with, opportunities with resources and with our lives ourselves the the very lives we have it says you know you're bought with a price right your life is not your own my life is god's i need to steward it well for him and so when i think about productivity i think in terms of how what am i what am i doing with this life to make a good return for the master how am i investing his time you know, how am I investing his resources? How am I investing what he, he's given me so that uh, he might look at me on, on the last day and say, well done, good and faithful servant. You you used it well. And so I think that framework is, is biblical and you, it, it, it gives me sort of some some rails to understand what productivity is and what it isn't. And also um, to not go too far with it and make make productivity the end all be all of life. Cause I don't think it is. I think it's really just one of the, uh, one of the vehicles for faithfulness that God's given us. Yeah. Worldly view of productivity would be, you know, I'm, I'm going to die in 80 years and I just need to accomplish as much as I can and make myself as happy as I can. Right. Whereas totally. as a godly view of productivity, a, a view that, that wants to be pleasing to the Lord says, the Lord has given me these opportunities, given me this much time, and I want to maximize my life for him. Um, what are some pitfalls do you see of, of highly organized living? Yeah, no, I, that's a great question because I think there are. Uh, I think there is a way for you to kind of be too given to productivity, too, too efficient, and often the thing that gets sacrificed is relationships. You know, um, there was, I had somebody on, on my own podcast, not long ago, um, Kelly Capic, he wrote this book called you're only human, which is about like our finitude as creatures. And he said something about like how efficiency is often the enemy of love. And I thought that was a really good, a really good summary of it. We, if you try to try, if you, if you get obsessed with like making sure you're maximizing every single moment of all the time so that you can get more work done or whatever, you are going to miss those moments, those divine appointments, those times when, okay, I need to put the mouse down or I need to put the hammer down and I need to talk to this person. You start to view people and interruptions as obstacles. Um, and that's really dangerous for Christians when, you know, our whole thing is love, right? Lo love of God and love of our neighbor. So I think that's the biggest pitfalls. You can kind of over, 
overdo it with that and, and view productivity as the end all be all. Where have you seen productivity benefit your life, Reagan? Much in every way, honestly. Uh, productivity gives you space. It gives you it gives you a structure that it's it's incredible how many different places it touches on. It is it has benefited me in uh, the study in terms of like um, getting to teach God's word, being being effective in how I prepare my message is not wasting time with that. Uh, it's, it's been helpful to me in work, um, getting more done in less time, being, being better at prioritizing frees you up to do, um, other things as well. Uh, in, in my devotional life, honestly, like we were talking at the beginning about the morning routine thing. That's, that has been so transformational for me getting, getting, going to bed a little earlier and waking up a little earlier has, that's given me like the scaffolding that enables me to make time for spending, spending time in God's word and prayer each day where before when I didn't, like, I wasn't thinking in terms of time management, my devotional time was often left up to chance. Is someone going to interrupt me today? Am I going to be able to squeeze it in at lunch? You know, having these frameworks for how how I spend my time allows me to sort of slot in the time because life happens in time, mm. the time to do the things that help me to grow in holiness, that help me to walk with the Lord, that help me to serve my church. Um, if, if I wasn't thinking about how I manage my time, I wouldn't. Those things would be much more haphazard, I think. Yes. And. I, I completely agree. My organizing my life has helped me become watchful, actually given me opportunity to, to kind of evaluate where I am in my walk with the Lord, just kind of examining my heart. Um, and it's allowed me to be clear thinking, sober minded, um, understanding, you know, the stakes of my life, what's important. Um, instead of life coming at me and me always just responding and trying to keep my head above mm -hmm. water, like I've been able to just, like you said, I, I, <clears throat> I've been able to have this space, like this, this brain space to process things better and not always wondering, you know, <clears throat> not always wondering, am I getting done what I need to get done? What should I be doing right here, right now? Is mm -hmm. the thing I'm doing important? Am I prioritizing my life right? Like by, by, you know, by focusing on, on mapping out my life and getting my priorities in order, it really has just impacted me spiritually in incredible ways. And it's actually forced me to be in prayer more and be more watchful. Um, and it's forced me to be more urgent about my life. You know, Psalm 90, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. You know, as I have have mapped out my life a little bit more and kind of um, sought to be more productive in the way I, you know, I I act in life. It's it's given me an urgency that this is the fourth quarter. Time is running out, and like you said, every minute uh, matters in the Christian life. Not because I um, not because I I want to you know be proud or self righteous, but because I want to please my Lord. Amen. I love that what you said about the watchfulness too. Like, I, I think there's, I think it's a mischaracterization. But often when you think about 
productive people. Like it's, you don't think about that watchfulness of them being very reflective. It's just like, Oh no, they're workaholics. But I don't, I don't think it's that way. I think that you're right. Like if you're thinking about how you're using your time, you act, it does mean that you're actually thinking about it. You are reflecting, you're thinking, okay, how did today go? What can I change tomorrow? It does having those little checkups in place that are kind of a necessary part of, of being a planner Mm-hmm. do force you to to constantly be evaluating on a regular, not all the time, not throughout the day, which is kind of a nice <laughs> relief. But, you know, in the, like for me, it's it's mornings. It's the my weekly review at the end of the week, thinking about the week when I do these quarterly reviews too. you know, at least four times a year, I'm doing a really deep dive on, OK, how are things going? How am I stewarding each area of my life? And if I didn't have that, who knows how many years I would go without really considering wh- where I'm standing, where what's the trajectory of my life? How's my walk with the Lord? You know, I wouldn't have these built in occasions for being reflective about those. So I, I totally agree with that. Yeah. I need, I need built in time where I can, <laughs> where I am confessing to the Lord, like where I am, I'm running to the cross, running to the gospel. And I need those things and I need to put those in place. Cause if I don't, they will be overrun by by distractions and yeah. and sometimes good things, but but things that that if I would have planned right for my day, I could be I could sit down for this hour and just walk through my day, you know, allow the Lord to to reveal sin in my life that I can put before him and repent of and then move on from, you know, with a clear Amen. conscience. Um, <clears throat> I like I said, your <laughs> redeeming productivity has been such an important ministry in my life. Um, and the Lord has used it in such a great way to just show me my weaknesses and my walk with the Lord. You tweeted at one point, and I, I retweeted it today. If you wish to be productive, personal holiness must be your first priority. You won't change anything unless Christ changes you first. Brother, that is so true. And, and that has be that is so real in my life that I don't I am not productive until that first step in the morning. I am before the Lord in prayer, you know, studying him, gazing at the glory of Christ and his word. Um, that helps me that that is what fuels me for a day of production, not just in the in my flesh, in my own strength, but by faith. No. Yeah. Amen. You know, I saw you retweet that and I had forgotten about that um it's like oh that's that sounds really smart i probably stole it from somebody (laughs) but i i was actually thinking about that today when i saw you retweet it because uh i remembered the occasion of why what made me write that and it was it was that i was i was recognizing that basically what i was doing at that point in my life is i was starting to inch out i was inching work into my time with the lord and I kind of knew I was doing it. And I was telling myself, this is just for a season. You know, I'll just read a little bit of scripture. I'll do a shorter prayer time. But we really got to build this thing. We really got to do this. And, you know, the Lord convicted me like, uh, wait a second. <laughs> no, the whole the whole point of trying to be faithful with my work, of trying to do this well, is that it would be pleasing unto the Lord. Like mm-hmm. if I, if I, I mean, imagine how stupid it would be if I built a ministry about personal productivity that glorifies God. And meanwhile, I wasn't walking with the Lord during it. Like how silly would that be? Because Mm. 
that that wouldn't be faithfulness. You know what I mean? I'd be trying to do it in my own power. I'd be trying to do it for my own glory. Like if at the end of the day, if everything you do fails and falls apart and it's just absolutely doesn't work like work-wise, right? If you've walked with the Lord, if you have walked in faith and done what your work or whatever it is he's put before you, if you've done that by faith, you've succeeded. Amen. And that's the amazing thing is the Christian's, the Christian's understanding of what success means is so radically different from the world that that's one of the biggest problems I have with productivity literature from, from secular people, to be honest. Mm. My definition of success is faithfulness to God. And I can be poor and destitute and on the street and have every endeavor I do in life flop. But if I walked with the Lord, I still succeeded. And if you keep that before you, it, it, it helps you not to get hung up on uh, this short-term thinking because p- Christians who are productive have an eternal perspective on it. Amen. And, and it'd be easy if you're Christians who are productive or seek to be productive to get into a law mentality that says, yep. I must do this in order to make God happy with me. I could, you know, I've seen myself fall into that trap where if something doesn't go just right in my schedule during the day, I feel guilty and I right. feel shame. And then that actually it drives me farther away from the Lord than crowding me nearer to Christ. And I think your the focus of redeeming productivity and your ministry is no, the foundation is the gospel <laughs> that Christ right. paid for our sins, that he died for us, that he he's made us right and he's clothed us with his righteousness. And because of that, we now have the capacity in our union with Christ to, to give everything we have. No, amen. Yeah. You know, I think of Ephesians um, two, eight through 10, you know, that, that um, we're justified by faith and not by works, right. That we are, that, that it's, it's by our salvation is by grace through faith. But then in verse 10, it says uh, basically we've been saved unto good works that we might walk in them. You know, these works that Christ has prepared for us in advance. And that to me, it's, I I love that encapsulation because it's the gospel. You've been saying it's grace. It's not your work that approves you before God, right? Your, or works, but you have been saved unto this life of good works. And I want to walk in those good works that the Lord has prepared for me faithfully. And, you know, just because I'm a time bound creature, so those works have to be done in time. So time is the stuff of life. I got, I need to manage that well, if I'm going to be faithful in those good works, but it is easy to kind of default back to, well, you know, like I'm going to feel guilty if I, if this day doesn't go well, if I wasn't productive, if I, if I didn't, if I wasn't faithful in good works today, no, you're resting on the gospel. You're resting on, <laughs> you can, you can fail to get things done because Christ said it is finished. He got everything done Amen. on the cross. And Amen. so even as we strive to do that, like I just, I, I talk to people about just trying to put, put shots on goal. Like I don't care to, to be totally honest with you. I don't at this point, I don't care if I finish my to-do list. Like I try to, I don't, I don't feel bad at all when I don't, I, even when I fall short of my goals to me, goal setting, having to do lists, doing these things, they, they are just little frameworks that help me I, even if I hit 80% or something like that, I know that if I didn't have those helps, that I didn't have that target to aim at, I'd be so much further off, you know? And so to me, like, it's, it's not about trying to guilt yourself. It's not about trying to 
be perfectly efficient. It's just having some helps and some backstops. Amen. Yeah. Christ is his, his righteousness, his act of righteousness was imputed to us. The glory of, of the fact that, that he never wasted time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he, he is the model for productivity. And, yes. and as we abide in his word, as we die to ourselves, appropriate his life by faith, we can have fellowship with him in our productivity as we make the most of our time. And, and that's the joy of, of seeking to steward our lives well. His food was always to do the will of the Father. That's John 4. He does the will of the Father always, John 8. You know, the Gospel of Mark is such a beautiful picture of Jesus's urgency. You know, that word um, euthus immediately is just repeated over and mm-hmm. over and over again from one event to another. The suffering servant, you know, living this life of, of in, in the place of Israel and in the place of his people and then dying on their behalf. It's just he was a flurry of godly productivity. And so you're right. I can I can rest in his perfect works. And by his grace and his mercy, I can seek every day to try to get better. Always reforming, right? Yes. Amen. Well, um, brother, do you have any future projects that we need to be watching for? The the big thing that I'm, I'm most excited about is I have a book coming out in October, Lord willing. If you know there's like a paper shortage, there's all kinds of supply issues. So I talked to my publisher. They're like, let's just, we'll say that's what we're shooting for. I was like, okay, good. Um, so hopefully. What? Paper <laughs> shortage too? This is a yeah, mess. Yes, it's, it's chaos out there. Yes. Um, and probably with inflation, by the time it comes out, the book's going to be like 250 bucks. <laughs> I'm buying it. It doesn't matter. It's... Hopefully not that much. Um, but yeah, it's, the book is actually called Redeeming Productivity. And it's with Moody Publishers and it is, it's kind of a, it's a summary of my, my take on productivity from a Christian worldview. So it's kind of cool. At least I think it's cool. Uh, I go back and forth. I have these five pillars of productivity uh, and, and they basically have to do with our relationship to God and, you know, like, uh, like, what's the origin of our productivity? Well, we belong to God. What's the purpose? We exist to glorify God. What's the content? You're saved to bear fruit for God. You're, the power, well, you're uniquely gifted by God. And what's our motivation? Well, we're going to give an account to God, right? So trying to reframe the philosophy of personal productivity in biblical themes. And so that that part's really expositional. But in between each of those, I give just a really practical stretch, just incredibly, insanely practical here's how you do this. And so my hope was that, and that's been kind of my, my hope with this whole ministry is to marry like really, really on the ground, tactical stuff that you can use to manage your time better with deep theology that's rooted in God's word so that you actually understand it and you're actually serving him from the heart. So yeah, that's the book comes out in October, Lord willing. And I'm really excited about it. Okay, we'll just keep promoting that, and we're excited. If it doesn't come out in October, then I am going to scream. No. <laughs> we'll we'll go. Uh, we'll take pitchforks and torches. You're closer to, to Chicago than me, so uh, no, I'm coming. I'll, me, to I'll meet you, you there, my friend. I'm coming. <laughs> Are you to, to scream you? at me? This no, no, point. I'm. I'm trying to put it on the publisher. No, <laughs> no, I can't wait. I hope it comes on Kindle then. Um, so, all right. Any last quick tips? Any tips you want to give? Um, on living a productive life. 
honestly the biggest one we've already talked about and that's have excuse me have a morning routine as i tell everybody here's the place to start you need to carve out some time in the morning and have a plan for how you're going to spend that time time in the word time in prayer and time just a little bit of time looking ahead at the day planning okay what am i going to do today if you do that that's like uh you know the 80 20 principle that's the 20 percent that's going to give you 80% of the results. That's why I tell everyone, start with that. If you feel like you're out of control, start with that because it's going to give you time with the Lord and it's going to give you a little bit of breathing space to make sure you're intentional with how you're spending the day. Boom, I appreciate that. Thank you. Hey, thanks for joining me tonight, Reagan. Um, head on over to redeemingproductivity.com to learn more about living a productive life to the glory of God. You can find him on Twitter, Reagan T. Rose. Um, and thank you, my friend. Thanks for joining me. Thank you, Justin. This has been a blast.